Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we start a brand new series um, this week, it's called You Have the Words. And we're going to take some time to, um, to look into things Jesus said. This kind of is, is from a verse in John chapter 6, verse 68, where um, Jesus has just said some really hard things to his disciples and, uh, and, and to uh, uh, the crowd that had sort of gathered with him. And they all leave him except for the, the twelve. And uh, Jesus looks at them and says, you guys going to go too? And Simon Peter looks at him in verse 68 and answers him. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so um, this, is the, this is out of that. I, I, I just think that we can really learn a lot from taking some time to talk through and think about every week some of the things that Jesus has said and um, how that can impact our life because his words are amazing. Okay, if you were here last week, you heard me say that in John 5, there's a question Jesus asked, do you want to get well? And in effect, we spent the last 80 sermons talking about that question. I kept kind of changing it up a little, but uh, that, that sort of, those things I think are fascinating. Those, those kind of things that Jesus says are amazing. And so um, we're not going to take 80 weeks on them. We're going to move through in the weeks ahead to... Uh, Look at some of the things that he has to say to us. And we're going to start today with a really great question I believe that he asked in the very first chapter of the Gospel of John. And we're going to dig into that just a little bit. So that's the intro transition. I always tell you a bad joke. I think you'll uh, hate this one, um, which is what I was shooting for. So there's this magician from Mexico. And uh, he's doing his show. And he tells the audience that he's going to dis disappear on the count of three. And so he goes, uno, dos, and then poof, he disappears without a... <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, first 14 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Powerful, powerful passage of scripture that opens up the gospel of John. And I'll refer to this again, but just, just you know, briefly so you know, um, it's a picture of, of who Jesus is. He was, uh, he is the word, the word was with God um, in the beginning and, and, uh, uh, and the word and the word was God, and through Him everything that has been made was made. He's the light that shines in the darkness. And then the apostle John introduces John the Baptist. That's who's being talked about there. Who's the witness concerning the light? 
um, so that all men might believe. So he's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist did not write the Gospel of John. That's the Apostle John talking about John the Baptist. And then it goes on to talk about Jesus. And it said, you know, that he was in the world, but the, the people he came to, the people who didn't recognize him, but to all who do, um, he gives the right to become children of God to all who believe in his name and receive him. And the word had become flesh and made his dwelling among us. That Jesus, fully God, fully man, had come in the amazing way that he'd come and he'd made his dwelling among us. And John said, we've seen him, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, so that's how the, the Apostle John sets up this next sort of thing that happens, okay? So that's, that's there as you're, as you're going through. He's telling the story uh, of what's taking place. And um, the first point in your notes is this. Great question. This is what I want you to think about all week, um, if you would. The question is this. What do you want? What do you want? Now let's continue with the stage here that we're setting up. So later on in the first chapter of John, verse 35, John the Baptist is there with a couple of his disciples. So here's what happened. Verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now this question, what do you want? Now get the, again, get the scene now. Remember, John has introduced Jesus as the creator of everything, the light that was to come in the world. He'd made his, you know, he'd become flesh and was dwelling among us. That's Jesus. John the Baptist, who's also been introduced as the one who would testify to the light, has just looked at Jesus and said, basically, behold the Lamb of God. And, and uh, so some of John's disciples were there, two of them, and they see Jesus and John the Baptist, who, you know, they've been, they've been there with, and he's saying that's the Lamb of God. And so they, they begin to follow Jesus. And Jesus looks at them and says, what do you want? Now, I like to think about that. You know, I wonder how he said it. Like, what do you want? Or, what do you want? Or... You know, there's a, see, that's how I think about those things. What, what was going on? How did Jesus say it? And what was taking place? Now, God has a way of asking questions that he already knows the answer to. Um, he does that throughout Scripture. And he, he designs questions to get us to think. To get us to think. Like in Genesis 3-9, after the fall, the, uh, Adam and Eve were hiding, and the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He knew where he was. But he was, he was beginning to open up now the, the, the consequence of the fall and how things were going to change. Um, in 1 Kings 19, 19, there's a, 19, 9, there's a situation where Elijah had just had this amazing victory um, against all the false prophets and then he'd had a really bad encounter with the wicked queen and he'd taken off running. He was hiding in a cave and uh, it says in, in verse 9, there he uh, went into the cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The questions are often asked, um, not because God doesn't know the answer, but to get us to think about the situation and what's going on. And, and I believe that this question, what do you want, is an amazingly powerful, awesome question that we can, that uh, I think that we'll grow into over the course of our Christian walk. Now these guys, I, I think they're just taking, you know, the whole thing is probably a bit much for them. Think about, you know, what's going on. And uh, he's the Lamb of God. They've just had, so they begin to follow him. And here's the, the one, and, and the Apostle John has just let the creator of everything. This is God in the flesh. He's there. God in the flesh turns around and asks these guys, hey, what do you want? And, and their, their response is, uh, where are you staying? 
I hope we can do better than where you're staying. And he said, okay, come on, I'll show you. But it was a loaded question. Do you get it? It was a question that, that they could have done way better with the answer. What do you want? Where are you staying? Like, <laughs> I think it's fascinating. So, so the question, point number two, is this. So, so what do you want? And that's what, what do you want? And, and, and I think it's, a, it's an amazing thing to ponder. Now, having said that, Colossians 3, Paul says this in verses 1 and 2. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So there's, there's something that I want you to think about there um, in the process that I think will help us. Um, but, but, you know, what is it that you think will make your life right? When you, when, if you're just kind of running through your thoughts, I mean, what is it? And I think we all might have some of this going on. You know, what do you think will make your life right? Do you think it's, you know, if you could win the lotto, then your life would be right? Do you, you know, if I could just get in shape, my life would be right. If I had a better relationship, you know, my life would be right. If I, if I didn't have problems, you know, if I had more money, then everything would work out. If I had a better job, if I had better health, if there was world peace if I wasn't afraid, if I didn't have worries, uh, then life would be, you know, right? And, and, and boy, if he just asked me that question, what do you want? I, boy, I think I could really come up with some better stuff than, than where you're staying. And, and, and so, you know, it's a pretty good question. The problem is, too often we kind of get stuck in living in sort of that if-then mentality. If, you know, if these things work out, then finally I, my life would go. If only this was happening, then, then it would be okay. If only this, then. If only then. And, and uh, the problem with that kind of thinking is that we never get to experience life today. We're putting it off until we think whatever set of circumstances we want to have happen falls into place. And then, then life. But now, oh, because that's not the way I want it to be. It's not what's going on. And I also think that there's, um, there's a, that we grow into the proper response to the question. Because I think there is a proper response and, and uh, I'm going to share it with you in a minute. Uh, what I believe that the correct answer to the question is that there is a correct answer to that question. Um, but there, there may be more and that just might be my answer from where I'm at now in life. You know, I've got to tell you that... Um, you know, things change over time. Uh, uh, certainly, you know, as you continue to walk with the Lord, things change. Um, and then, you know, I think there's probably something in the process of being a little older now than I, you know, have been. Um, uh, that things change in, in what I think some of those answers might be. But I believe that there's a, a proper answer, and I, I don't think it takes all the time and everything to get to it. Um, but that is something that we, we, we definitely will grow into in the way that it impacts us. And so I really believe that the answer to the question that, that will lead us to experience life is this. Point number three, well, Lord, I want what you want. I just want what you want. And then I think if we, when we can get to that point and, and really sort of settle in it, life changes for us. That it's the process. It's what we're heading towards. That... All the if-thens will never get us life. But if we can finally get to that place where, where when, when the honest question comes, well, well, what do you want? God, I just want what you want. Whatever that is. I want to do your will. I just want what you want. I, I know that's where life is. All this other stuff, all the running, all the, all the, all the, all the striving, all the, the rushing around, all the busyness, all of the, all of the stuff, Lord, uh, 
ultimately, Lord, I really want is what you want. And that there's something that comes at that point where there's life and there's rest and there's peace and there's joy and there's the, 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 the worries and the anxieties can be let go because, Lord, I just want what you want. Whatever that looks like, I want what you want. And, and so um, I think that we, we need to get to having that understanding, I think, is very helpful. Um, and then growing into it is where we begin to really find life. Paul says this in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, all the things that he's done and doing and continues to do, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so there's something about our lives where, where our goal should ultimately be, Paul says, that, that all of our life would, would actually become spiritual worship to God. That we would use our minds and our hearts and our bodies to express the, the worthiness of God. That, the, you know, that worship is, is worth-ship. It's, it's about the worth of God, and that's where we get that word. So, so what we're talking about is that our lives would begin to express um, in every facet over time that God is worthy and that, that life is found in Him. And that's where we're going to find life, that these start happening uh, to us as we, we experience that. And if we conform to the world around us, we'll, we'll not experience the full and abundant life that Jesus wants for us. Um, we won't find it in conforming to the world around us. Um, what we have to be, Paul says, is transformed. Now, sometimes I think we, we, can, we can get a little stuck here. We think well, that what it means to be transformed is that we're going to live by a bunch of rules about what Christians are supposed to do and not do. And, and that's not a transformation. That's a, maybe at best it's sort of getting your outside working, but, but if, the, if you're not changed on the inside, it, it just will make you mean and hard, hearted, because rule following isn't healthy. It's not good for us. I mean, you need to, it's not where you find life. You get it? That's not the definition of what happens, that performance thing. Um, and so that's not the issue. The reason that we do the right thing, and I talk about this, is that yielded to the Spirit, that's what we want to do. See, that this process that takes place is as we yield to the Holy Spirit um, and that we desire to live for God, that this transformation begins to take place. Now, being transformed isn't about not having any fun, because I think some people have that picture. I know I did. Before I knew Jesus, I used to think, that was my big stop before I actually gave my life to Jesus. I kind of had figured out through a process of, uh, through a situation and discussions that, that there was something about it. The, you know, when I finally heard the gospel message, and I was, I was 19 or 20. Um, I'd never heard it growing up that I remember. And, and I, I, I kind of had this thought that that was probably correct. And I might have jumped in at 19 or 20, but I was stuck because I just thought, well, I don't see how you have any fun. Um, and, and so I just my as, as you grow, you kind of figure out that it's different. Fun is different, um, but but so it's not about that at all. Um, when you're being transformed and renewed, what happens is uh, that you you love to live by doing the next right thing. You can't. There's not a better way to live. 
There's nothing better. You're not missing out on anything. You're finally experiencing life. Your heart's desire is to live by doing the next right thing. You hear me say it all the time here. Because that's where life is. We don't always make it. But it's, it's good. It's fun. It's the heart of life. It's where it comes from. It's all about that process. But here's what's wrong. Because Paul says you have to be renewed in the attitude of your mind. What's wrong with my mind that makes it need to be renewed? See, because many people think, well, if I just have enough knowledge, then that's all that it takes. And that's not the issue. It's not all about knowledge. Um, the, the reality is that your mind has an attitude. It has a spirit, if you would. Um, in Ephesians 4.23, this didn't make the notes, but, but you can look it up. Write it down and look it up. Ephesians 4.23. You're to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Or another translation in the New American Standard says that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so the spirit of your mind or the attitude of your mind, it's a mindset that you have. And so your, your mind or your brain isn't just a computer that processes information. It has a viewpoint. It has its own attitude. And, and so our minds are fallen and broken like everything else. And, and that's why they need to be renewed. The filters uh, all, that of our minds all need to be evaluated and adjusted. And that's the process that we go through. And it happens as we yield to the Spirit that these things begin to change. And, and as they begin to change, I think, we grow into the reality that, Lord, if you ask me what I want, I just want what you want. Given, given a loaded question from the Creator of the universe, where I think any, any answer is a valid answer, the answer that brings life is, Lord, I just want what you want. And then our hearts come to peace and rest. And, and from there, everything changes in the process. And so, because our minds... Um, and and I, do you get that? I mean, I've been walking now for 30 years with Jesus. I, I, I can tell you that I'm much different now than I was 30 years ago. Now, I was, you know, the day one into the kingdom of God, I was saved and was walking with Him and wanted to, you know, do... but. I, I can tell you that it's much different 30 years later because these filters are slowly being readjusted over a process of time. And, and that's why you always hear me say to you that the, the, the thing that's so important as believers is that we, we yield ourselves to the Spirit and we, we spend time in the book. We read the Bible. That we make some sort of plan, um, daily connection with God where we're, we're praying and we're reading the Bible because that adjusts the filters. The, the, the Spirit uses it to, to help us in the process. And, and anything, see, I'm fascinated, um, and, and maybe you've experienced this, that when you're reading the, it, isn't it fascinating how the Lord will take whatever it is that you happen to be reading and, and somehow show you that that's real in, in the day? It can be whatever you read that the Spirit of God can take and, and utilize in your day. Why? Because He's in this process of transforming us by the renewing of our minds to show us the things that we need that will help in this process so that ultimately we end up at that place where, where when the creator of the universe were to look at us and say what do you want but I just want what you want and that's where life is so so I would encourage you to kind of think about that this week powerful question I think that, that you can go through all sorts of things and and I you know it's all good I, I you know the the answers are what they are. I think you need to be honest. Well, what do you want? You know, I asked point number two, what is it? What do you think? If it's an if-then thing, you sort of really need to pray with that. And, and if you're not at the place yet where you can honestly say, well, I just want what you want, um, ask God to help you get there.
Because that's where life is. I promise that's where life is. It's where it starts. Lord, I just want what you want. Let your will be done, Lord, in my life. And, and, and he does that. You know, people say, well, how do you know what God's will is? Listen, here, here's, and I'll say it again. Live by trying to do the next right thing. You'll stumble into it. You will. You just, that's where you find it. He won't lay it out like here's the next 30 years of your life. Here's what you're going to do every day. God doesn't do that. You wouldn't need faith to live like that. But God, I just want to live for you. I want what you want. You will find him in the midst of your day in ways that you can't even imagine. Because that's where he wants you to be. So I hope you'll ponder that question this week. We're going to come up with another amazing statement of Jesus next week. But uh, I think that's a very good one. I've been thinking about that for a while. I love that question. Uh, and... Uh, and so kind of ask the Spirit of God to help you with it and process through it. I think it'll bring you life. But that's good enough for today. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. You'd love to see you here. Come and visit it when you get a chance. Uh, if you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page there. We'd love to pray for you. And uh, we hope to see you soon.